Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business of Customer Love podcast, brought to you by Mention Me. I'm your host, Simeon Atkins, and thanks for joining us today. Growing your brand through customer love might seem like an idea that belongs in the company cafe rather than the boardroom. But identifying, growing, and activating a base of loyal fans is serious business, and the results of harnessing customer advocacy can be truly transformational for both your company and your customers. We gather experts from across the space to shine a light on how you can unleash a virtuous cycle of sustainable organic growth where your best customers keep coming back and bringing their friends too. So let's get into today's episode. So I'm excited to be joined today by Charlotte Pierce, a Forbes 30 Under 30 award winner and CEO and founder of Inkpack. Charlotte, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Simeon. Excellent. So you're here today to discuss how brands can make their customer experience more human so they can start to build their own base of loyal superfans. Before we dive in, though, do you want to give a quick introduction to our listeners? Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm uh, Charlotte. I'm the CEO and founder of Inkfact, but really it's my mission to help brands be more human and connect to their customers in a whole other way. Um, Inkfact helps companies, everyone from the likes of John Lewis to Farfetch to M&M, uh, to Facebook help really create this human connection to their audience, to their customers at big scale across the world by doing really thoughtful, meaningful moments across that customer journey. So we send handwritten notes and gifts all triggered by technology, but actually physically sent through the post like the good old days. Uh, but thanks to some clever technology um, that we have, we're able to send hundreds of thousands of genuine handwritten notes gifts scale all across the world creating that kind of surprise and delight magical moments at big scale for brands so yeah in a nutshell that's what we do but my huge passion is psychology human connection and understanding how people and how brands work so very good to talk about so thanks for having me Fabulous. I'm really looking forward to diving into that a bit later as well. Um, now, as traditional on the show to get things kicked off, I'd love for you to share a time recently where as a consumer, you experienced custom love firsthand and what impact that had on you as a consumer. Oh, well, I have one story that I tell all the time, which is my favourite, and then one that happened literally last week. So my favourite one is one of my like all-time love brands is ASOC, uh, the skincare, uh, mm-hmm. skincare brand. Just love their products, love the experience. And I was in their current garden store, um, actually, I'm not even sure I really interacted with the staff that much. You know, I went, I went in to grab things. And as I was paying and checking out, they did the usual, put things in my bag. And on the way home, I'd realised they'd put a full-size, my favourite hand cream, which I'd been telling somebody about in the shop how much I loved it, uh, in the bag for free for me. So when I got home, I had this amazing full-size hand cream. Uh, no one said anything. They didn't say, oh, I've put this in for you. They literally just completely out of the blue surprised and delighted me. And that was actually, I want to say, five years ago. And I still tell the story today. Uh, and I've been a really loyal customer ever since. And it was just that little thoughtful. They'd heard me speak about how much I loved it. They'd put it in the bag. They hadn't made a big deal out of it. Um, there was no record. No one knew. They're not tra- tracking any ROI. But I've probably told on stages thousands of people that story now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really resonates with me. So ASOC, yeah, they are amazing at surprise and delight. Um, and then the other one is literally last week. I'm getting married next week. And um, when I was looking for a wedding dress a few months ago, it was out of stock everywhere in the world. Like they discontinued this wedding dress. No one could find it. No one had it anymore. I actually called the designer of the dress and they literally moved heaven and earth to find me the last entire dress in the world. And you know, when someone makes it your problem, their problem, they decided 
I really want to make this girl's day, year, life by finding this dress. And her and her whole team, the brand's called Rudazine, um, literally found the last dress in the world. Um, and then a lovely place in Norfolk kind of had it and and got it to me. But I just love the fact that someone decided this is really important to you. Therefore, it's really important to me. I'm going to drop everything and help you find the dress. And they did. Um, and I get to wear it next week. So there's something really amazing about the above and beyond that they went for me. So, yeah. I love those examples. Um, the first one I, I like because, as you said, they didn't really make a big deal of it. They didn't actually mention the fact they'd done it. They just kind of left that for you to discover yourself. Um, and as you said, the fact that you're still speaking about that five years later, you know, mm-hmm. they might not be able to track it. And I think that's some of the some of the concern maybe sometimes around customer experiences. Well, if mm-hmm. I can't track it and can't measure it, then it's probably not having an impact. But as you said, how many times have you told that story? You yeah. know, how many events you've been to and you've spoken about it? Um, and I wonder how many customers they've driven organically just through that story. Um, you know, it must be quite a, quite a lot, I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I still love the hand cream. Buy it all the time now as well. So actually our ROI is probably really high. They just don't know it because they don't know where it came from. So yeah. Well, fantastic. Um, okay, so this idea of customer love obviously means lots of different things to different people. Um, for someone that really has kind of based a lot of their career around customer love and customer experience, I'd love to get your opinion of what customer love means to you. Yeah, so this is like my favourite geek topic. Um, I've worked on it from a slightly different angle, which is whenever we talk about customer love, I actually just talk about love in general. Like, as human beings, we all have lots of love in our life, whether it's friends, romantic love, family love, love for our pets, love for all these different things. And actually, customer love in theory is no different because it is love. When you use the word love, it means the same thing. I think the exact definition of love is something like an intense or a, or a big feeling um, of affection. And actually, we can have that for brands just like we can have that for our friends and our family. And when we look at how companies should understand customer love and what they should do. We just have to look at romantic love, family love, any other kind of love and see what works in those areas. And it is exactly the same for customers too. So to get somebody to have that deep feeling of affection, a lot of it is around giving. It's around doing something first. It's around being thoughtful. It's around doing something memorable. It's around actually knowing and understanding that person and what they're looking for and how to make them better or how to engage them in the right way. Like, Actually, if you look at first dates and you look at customer acquisition, they're kind of the same thing. Like you're trying to make an impression. There's lots of other people out there. Uh, you know, how do you stand out? How are you different? How do you wow someone? It's exactly the same. So I really love to talk about it in the same context that we talk about romantic love. And in that same way, you know, some people are really, really good on the first date, but like eight, 10, 12 months later, they're not very good and they don't do all those things that they did at the beginning. And then the relationship doesn't go anywhere. And brands are kind of the same sometimes, which is they spend all this effort, money and thoughtfulness and these wonderful campaigns getting people in the door to be their customer. And then a year down the line, it's like they've forgotten all that, you know, romancing that they did at the beginning doesn't happen and their loyalty just isn't there. So actually, I think it's really interesting to look at it in the same way. Tony Robbins has this amazing phrase, which is if you do what you did in the beginning, in the end, there won't be an end. And that's actually romantic relationships. I was in the room when he was talking about it in terms of love and, and relationships in life. But isn't that the same for brands? If they put the same amount of effort and money into the rest of the relationships they do into the beginning, then there probably wouldn't be an end. So 
I love talking about it in that context because it's really relatable to all of us. We all have love in our life somewhere. So my mission is to try and get brands to think about it in that way. And just like you won't decide who you're marrying on the first date, you probably won't decide who you're loyal to after the first purchase. So actually getting people engaged all the way along the customer journey is really, really important, in my opinion. I always like this comparison between loving a brand and loving a, a friend or family member, because as you said, they're so closely linked. And we've had a number of guests coming on, including including a neuroscientist actually saying exactly the same yeah. thing. So there's definitely some some grounding to that as well. And just that feeling of emotion that you have for a friend, family member or a sports team, for mm -hmm. example, I think if you're a brand, if you can translate that for customers feeling that way about you know your product and what you're selling that's incredibly powerful right and I think yeah. um, just kind of getting your head around that and remembering as consumers we're essentially buying from emotion we're not buying from a place of absolute rationality a lot of the time whether that's b2b or b2c yeah um, so yeah those comparisons are definitely very relevant yeah I am um, I really really love the comparison to sports teams um, and we work with um, BrewDog. And actually, BrewDog have mentioned just a few times how many people have got tattoos and wear their T-shirts. And like that's what happens when someone loves a sports team. I am not one of those people. I don't have a sports team that I have a T-shirt of. Are you, Simeon? Do you, you support a team? Is the one that you love yet? So I, I do. Think yeah, I certainly do. And I just, I, lo I love seeing people who are that in love with their team and they even use the phrase we when they're talking about the team. And I'm like, but you're not the we, they're playing over here and you're over there. But I think that's the aim for all brands is if you can get them to say we. Um, and Brudo did something amazing years ago. They did the, the crowdfunding raises and they did, they brought everyone into their business with them. The people started saying we when they were talking about Brudo. She obviously isn't them. They're just, but they now are investors. So they started buying t-shirts, doing tattoos, all these kind of things. Actually, if we can get even a little bit of that or a little bit of how much people love Manchester United or whatever other teams out there not to present anything and um, then actually yeah brands will do a lot better at their customer level I think I haven't quite got to the stage yet where I get a tattoo of my favorite teams that's um that's pretty <laughs> that's extreme but that's yeah <laughs> very 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 impressive you can get to that stage for sure yeah um now, as you were alluding to at the start, Impact um, obviously works with a variety of different businesses. And I know from speaking with you, predominantly you help support the CRM and loyalty individuals and teams within those businesses. Um, and I'd be interested to know from working closely with these teams, what would you say are the main challenges facing them today? Mm. So we run these really cool breakfasts where we all sit down and just get really honest and open about our challenges in CRM and loyalty. And this, the top three things that come up over and over and over again the first one is discounting and how to not go down this slippery discounting slope um, and a lot of brands that we work with are kind of mid to high end or luxury and their brands don't want them to discount but when you start it's really difficult not to stop so um the challenge of discounting is people then expect it so once you've started it's really hard to turn it off so we're trying to help them shift the mindset to what can you give rather than what can you kind of take off the price of something so even just swapping the same amount of money you'd end up costing yourself to discount to send a gift or to send a free product or to send a free item um, and try and switch that discounting mentality to we're giving you loyalty for, for choosing us you get something from us rather than um here's something for free if you see what i mean so trying to switch the mentality around gift uh, discounting is really interesting and gifting is one of the ways brands do that the second one is long-term versus short-term results and metrics and KPIs. 
And so as we spoke about earlier, you're not going to know if you're going to marry someone on the first date. How, why are we tracking four, six weeks, even four, six months after a transaction or after a marketing activity? Actually, brand love and um, customer lifetime value is actually a long-term metric. And I've seen a small shift to brands measuring this over a year rather than just over a few months. But actually, it really takes years. And I think the key to understanding what can get you some short-term results to show the business that there is an indication that this is having an effect on loyalty and brand and, and customer, but actually keeping the metrics and giving them a little bit longer. So we've done campaigns that get results in four, six weeks, but the long-term results of a year, two years have actually been incredible and like massive because they remember that, just like if I told a story from five years ago, that love and that loyalty and that feeling stays with them for years. So actually measuring on the long-term and I'm measuring other elements, like I know, and um, you know, the mentioned lead team do. It's not just about how much they spend; it's about how much they share, how much they share with their friends, how much they share online. It's trying to make this holistic, longer-term approach to metrics. And um, and then the third one uh, really is around how do brands make loyalty programs stand out and be different? Everyone now has a loyalty program. Everyone's trying to get people to come back to them. How can they constantly add value? So a challenge for a lot of brands out there is how can I do something dis- different? And keep this loyalty program interesting and exciting without discounting is probably one of the biggest challenges I hear uh, at the moment. Yeah, it's really interesting. We um, we had a panel discussion with um, some CRM and uh, and loyalty professionals a few weeks ago, and those challenges were exactly what you were saying there. The discounting one, obviously, being a massive one because it's just destroying profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, for these teams, it's all about kind of incremental revenue and profitability coming from the customer base. Yeah. rather than relying on discounts and then what they're finding is they're discounting they're bringing people through the door because of the discount not necessarily prioritizing the experience then once they're through the door and then yeah. a cheaper offer will come up from another brand they'll move to that, that brand switch. and then they're having yeah. to then they're having to pay to reacquire those customers and it's just a vicious cycle so mm-hmm. um yeah totally um totally resonates with what we're hearing on our side as well um now obviously from speaking with you before i know that you're um very passionate and very knowledgeable um, about the importance of making the customer experience more human and the behavioral psychology that underpins this. Would you mind sharing some of these insights with us um, and maybe some ways that impact is helping their, their customers with this as well? Yeah, of course. So um, there's two kind of ways of talking about psychology that I, that I like to mention, uh, because again, it's really relatable to us every day in our lives and how people interact with us. Um, and the first one um, is called reciprocity. So this um, there's a guy called Robert Cialdini. I hope I pronounced his surname correctly there. Um, he's done this whole book around persuasion and reciprocity. And it's basically really human, simple principle of if you give something first, you're more likely to get something back. So there's lots of studies done around uh, things like if you hand a glass of champagne to someone on their way into a shop, they're like 80% more likely to buy something from that shop. And now that's not actually because they're drunk on champagne and they may be a bit drunk and, you know, they, therefore they're more likely to buy something from the shop. It's actually this, this human thing of someone did something for me and it was really nice and maybe different and quite thoughtful or, you know, out unique. I am more likely to do something back to you. And this all happens subconsciously. So we don't, when people were asked, oh, did that champagne influence your buying? Most people said no, but the results showed that it did. So the little things in reciprocity is, if you give something first, and that doesn't have to be monetary like champagne, it could be some value, a tip. You see this on social media a lot now. Here's just some free information about that might make your life a bit better. 
then if that person finds that useful, they're more likely to act on something you've asked them to do. So whether that's, you know, go to the site or to buy a product or whatever that touch point is. If you've done something first, you're more likely to get that second action. So actually, if brands think about that in their customer journey and think about reciprocity, and rather than going, what can I get from people all the time? What can I get of their money? How can I get them to interact? And they start to shift it to what can I give first and then look at what I could get after. Is that subtle shift in strategy makes a big difference to, uh, to results. So reciprocity is one of my favorite kind of topics to talk about because it has it's such a subtle difference that makes big impact impact on revenue. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the, the other thing is really around, uh, you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but one of my favorite quotes is Maya Angelou uh, has a quote that says, people don't remember what you did. People don't remember what you said. They only remember how you make them feel. And so actually shifting everything a brand does to how do I make someone feel significant? So there's a list of human needs that we all have and we all have them in slightly different orders. Um, And there's lots of psychologists that have done a lot of research on this. But one of the ones we all have relatively high up is significance. We all want to feel significant and valued and like we are um, heard and respected. And that's one that all human beings have. And so actually, if we can make someone feel significant, and that can be as simple as thanking them for an order, actually, in a really lovely way, or um, thanking them for being with you for however long, acknowledging that they make a difference to your business, which, let's be honest, if customers didn't exist, there wouldn't be any businesses. So they are a huge uh, significance to the business. And if we actually told them how significant they were, that alone would make a really big difference to how they behave. So it's all around if, if, if brand and marketing teams and builder teams had in their head, how do I make this customer feel significant today? Then the results could be quite game changing. So with reciprocity being give before you get and then kind of mixing that in with making someone feel very significant and valued to you, then we'd get a lot more actions and engagement as customers. I love those examples. Um, I would be curious to know whether if you swapped out champagne with orange juice, it would still be such a high percentage. But um, <laughs> I'd like to think it would be. But there is probably something about champagne that makes people feel significant because champagne has done a good job at marketing their significance in an event, right? So, uh, yeah, interesting. Let's let's do a test. I'll have the champagne. So then you can have the orange juice and let's see what happens. <laughs> oh, I like that you've given me the orange juice. Thanks for yeah. that, Charlotte. Appreciate that. Um, and just just kind of following on from that, would you be able to share some examples of campaigns that you've run with clients um, that's really making the experience more human for their customers um, and what kind of results they saw as, as, a, as an impact of that? Yeah, so I'm not supposed to have favourite campaigns, but I will share a couple with you. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> one, of my, one of my all-time favourites, because it was very fun and I love pets and animals, is and we worked with many pets. Um, and we have some really cool data because we know the pet, their name, their breed. So this is cats and dogs predominantly. And um, so many pets are an insurance brand. And we actually sent a handwritten note and a gift for the pet uh, through the post to them. But what was amazing is we used the data to actually have a photo, uh, like an image drawn of the pet. So if they had a bulldog called Sandy, it'd have the bulldog's face, the exact colour of the bulldog with Sandy's name on it on the actual treats themselves. And they were sent to people that had referred two or more people over the last year. So these people have really engaged and the treat was to say thank you for, you know, for being a great advocate of theirs. Um, they had two aims. One was virality. They wanted this to go viral on social media. And obviously the first thing you do when you get a really cute picture of your pet on a pet treat, 
you take a picture with the pet and put it on social media. So we had lots of amazing uh, like pictures of dogs and cats with their treats. It was beautiful. Uh, and then the other thing was to see if that increased the number of referrals so that did they refer even more. And so they absolutely referred more and they felt special and significant and actually went and told other people and showed them physically uh, the pet treats. So it was just one of those campaigns that was really visually very cool, very visually amazing use of data without it being creepy and had results in terms of them staying with them, but also referrals. Um, and then some results we literally got back, it was last week, um, a really cool brand called Space NK. Um, they actually wanted to tell people that they were near to their upgrades, their like deluxe VIP tier, um, and encourage them to get there and like say thank you for all the um, spending and all the engagement that they've been doing. And actually sent a handwritten to note, a very simple handwritten to note, just thanking them. Um, and we saw 118% increase in uh, uplift versus the control so versus emails on people getting to that next tier just of that campaign and there was 31 percent increase in revenue versus the control of people actually going and spending and uh, increasing their uh, customer lifetime value so one very small very simple hammer to note had a huge effect on people becoming vips and we see that across lots of the brands that we work with actually when you treat people like vips so John Lewis do this every Christmas and people physically come into store with their gift and their note card and thank the branch owner for their the gift that John Lewis sent them at Christmas. And it's amazing when you've made that person feel so special, um, whether they're a VIP or just an engaged active customer, then what they do is amazing. Walking all the way into store to tell the branch manager, thank you for this gift is a pretty like big use of their time. And that's the kind of reaction that we get from some of our campaign so yes it drives revenue and yes it's amazing for customer lifetime value but to get a customer act in that way is very similar to what we were talking about earlier in terms of buying t-shirts and raving about the brand and that's what we want to be able to help customers do at big scale so um yeah just a few examples there for you yeah that's incredible and i'm assuming that the the message in the email and the handwritten note was pretty much the same it was just obviously the format that people were receiving in far more personal with the handwritten note versus the email yeah absolutely so with a handwritten note one you can be slightly more colloquial naturally so in mm. a, when it's handwritten and put on these beautiful pieces of paper uh you can be slightly quirkier and slightly more colloquial with your message and two it doesn't get stuck in a spam filter or in that Google clutter folder that just decides for you which brands you're actually going to hear from. Um, and so we have like a 99.999% open rate. Therefore, if you're going to at least read it, your chances of responding are already significantly higher. So there's something about it coming through the post and being handwritten. It means it's not going to go in the bin like a bill or stuff in your junk folder. Therefore, you're more likely to react already. Plus, then how it makes you feel is, again, so you kind of get the double whammy. Um, but we've actually seen recently one of our clients, All About Brown, started to track what happened to revenue. So I think they saw a 40% increase in revenue when someone got a hammer to note versus didn't. But then they had a 100% increase in their email engagement um, compared to when they hadn't had the hammer to note before. So it's really interesting to see that actually it's not just the effect of the hammer to note. It's then the engagement that someone has with the rest of their marketing beyond that. So they saw 100% uplift in the, in the number of people responding to their emails. And actually, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think that, that would have the effect down the line, but that feeling is what makes it. Absolutely. Charlotte, we've covered some amazing ground today. Just in closing, um, something that I found particularly inspiring when I was learning more about Impact was the Scribe Tribe. And I'd love you to kind of share with the audience 
what the scribe tribe is and the effect that it's having on people that are involved with it. Yeah, so the scribe tribe is the most magical, incredible part of the business, actually how it kind of all started. So um, to get these genuinely handwritten notes written for, you know, hundreds of thousands uh, every month, we have one and a half thousand members of our scribe tribe. So um, it actually started with my cousin and then started with five scribes and now we're 1,500, which is amazing in the UK and the US. But they are um, single mothers, they're artists, they're retirees. Um, they are people that are looking to earn an extra source of income from home. Um, we have a lot of connections with uh, Macmillan as a client of ours, but also a charity partner, so people that are recovering from uh, cancer, people that have been homeless previously. We work with them to say, look, here's a way to help move your lives forward without having to commit to a nine to five job. You can write in your pajamas at home. You don't check their like CV or their, their skills. As long as they've got good handwriting and they're reliable and, and they kind of use our platform to actually copy the message to write the notes. So we've been able to give opportunities to people earning quite a lot of money from home that maybe wouldn't have been able to go out and get that nine to five job or might have struggled. So we love it when people send, like our scribe tribe send us photos of like they're writing, you know, with their pets or their kids, or um, we've had a couple where their grandparents have helped them like put the stamps on their envelopes, sending them out for John Lewis at Christmas. And so it's the stories like that where people have said, look, thanks to you, I'm able to buy XYZ for our kids. So the brands that choose us, choose us one, because we get them those amazing results, but two, that they're actually impacting lives in the UK and the US for people who might not otherwise get employment. So for every new client we bring on, we bring on new scribe, and that's what we love about it. One doesn't work without the other. So hopefully, not too distant future, we'll have 10,000 scribes writing in different languages across the world. Um, so yeah, that's that's always the aim, is how can we help people move their lives forward through handwriting. Amazing. And if someone wanted to get involved, if they knew someone that might be interested in that, what's the best way to uh, to get involved? Yeah, of course. So um, if you go to thescribetribe.com, um, you can apply to become a writer. You just need good handwriting. Or if you go to inkpack.com, click scribes, it'll get you there as well. So um, yeah, if you know anyone, we're always looking for new scribes. Actually, we're starting our Christmas campaigns from now, which is kind of crazy in the summer. But we always have this massive surge in, uh, in Christmas cards and gifts that go out. So we're always looking for new scribes uh, over the next couple of months. So yeah, please share away. What a great way to finish. Charlotte, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. Thank you. You've been listening to the Business of Customer Love podcast hosted by Mention Me. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to join us next time where we'll be speaking to some more amazing guests about how you can harness the power of customer love. See you again soon.